Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler. And as I record this, we're one day away from the governor's first state of the state message. And I'm talking to uh, Assemblyman John McDonald. So what do you expect to hear in, in Governor Hochul's first state of the state message? No, it's interesting. Um, this will be her first opportunity to really lay out her agenda and what her course for New York State is going to be. Um, I think, obviously, there's going to be a lot of discussion about ethics, uh, conversations about J-Cope. Um, I think she, she, she promised to shake it up, and we'll see what that means. Um, I know that she's talked about um, continuing to focus on college education and, and the high cost of that. Um, personally, I, I focus on issues that are important to my district. It includes workforce mm-hmm. development and opportunity. And I also really want to see a, a more uh, viable conversation about housing. And not just about the, you know, there's going to be a lot of discussion, as you know, about rent and moratorium and landlords and mm-hmm good cause eviction and all that, but we spend a lot of time and energy on that and money, by the way, but we're not talking about how to stop the generational cycles of unaffordable housing by helping people to become homeowners. And, you know, as you know, Cynthia, you live in the neighborhood. There are many Uh properties a block to three blocks away from you that need a significant investment, but with the right partnership, with the building trades, with the state support, and with members of the community, we can turn a lot of these blighted and abandoned buildings, over a 1,000 in number, into affordable, energy-efficient homes and start building what's called generational wealth, as opposed to what has unfortunately happened, which is a very, very long cycle of poverty for individuals who haven't been able to take that money they're putting towards a monthly rent and use it towards a monthly investment. Mm. So do you think there'll be any surprises? I don't know. I I don't know. I I think, um, you know, let's face it. Uh, Kathy Hochul's been governor for about four months now. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has done, I think, a remarkable job um, getting off the ground, getting good people around her. Um, but let's face it, New York State is a complex state, a lot of wants, a lot of needs. Um, so I think right now we need somebody to steady the ship, lay out some priorities that are going to be a couple of years in the making, and that's helpful if you're running for election, of course. Um, but make sure it's focusing on what, what I always call the kitchen table issues, the people, people's concerns that they talk about at night, you know, whether it's education, whether it's health care whether it's housing, whether it's job opportunities. Those are the areas I would focus on. And to be honest with you, they're boring and bland to some people, but they're important for everyday living. I, I believe I heard something yesterday where uh, the governor was going to propose term limits. Did you yep. hear that? Yeah, yeah actually, um, I've, some of the other media partners have asked questions about that. And the governor is looking to propose term limits, um, it'd be two four-year terms for statewide elected officials 
So that would be the governor, the lieutenant governor, the controller, and the attorney general. Okay. So that is proposed. This has been proposed in the past. Um, but, you know, first out of the box, she's throwing it out there, which is, which is good. Yeah, that's what about what about state legislators? Has there been any determination on that? There has not been. You know, as you know, you're a resident, so you get my surveys every year, and that's something I ask each and every year, and it's a, it's a mixed reaction. Um, a lot of people recognize that, you know, if you're running every two years, you actually have term limits in place already because you need to be accountable to the voters and to the public. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, truth matter is, you know, I've been fortunate now. I'm entering my 10th year in the Assembly. Um, 10 years is actually a long time now. Um, I am in the top third of seniority in the New York State Assembly. So you can talk about term limits as well you want. The reality is, is that most of the members make that decision or the voters make that decision for them. Right. Uh, so... According to the governor's proposals, there would be two terms for the state legis- uh, for this. I'm sorry for the New York State elected officials, but but for the district, like you and state senate, yeah, you, yeah, the, you, the you can serve. 40, 40 years if you want to, where the governor would be have to go in eight years. I don't think that's very. I don't like that too much. If it's going to be, if it's going to be um, term limits, I think it should be for everybody. What do you think? Well, like I said before, I think you know individuals have their own ability to. Uh, the, the, first of all, it's up to the public to make that decision. And you could try the route of going to a referendum to have the public make that decision, or like I have to do every two years, that the public can make that decision for me. So I guess the question is, do you have confidence in which voters do you have confidence in, the ones that show up for a general referendum or the ones that show up for elections every year? But, but for... Um... The, the voters to decide, you know, whether to vote an incumbent out. You know, it's hard to beat an incumbent, and an incumbent can stay there for many years. How do you feel about that? Well, first of all, incumbents can be beat, and by the way, you know, newcomers can be beat as well. Um, <clears throat> the reality is, I guess you have to ask a basic question. If someone's doing a good job of what they do, should they be told to leave office just because they've been doing a good job? Well, the governor could be doing a good job or the controller could be doing a good job. And when their two terms are over, they're out. Well, no, well, they're, they're out if this actually passes a general referendum. The question is, what do the voters think? And obviously this idea has only just been released in the last 24 hours. There's a long, long way to go. You're talking almost three years before this would actually show up on a ballot. If it, Okay. And I don't know what the temperature of the legislature is right now, to be honest with you. I think, you know, it's funny. I, I, I don't say this tongue-in-cheek, but 
a lot of the members here have only been here two to five years. Uh, they don't really have that large experience. And, you know, this gets back to a much larger discussion. Um, government functions best when it has a blend, a blend of new voices, new ideas, along with um, tried and true methods and actually, you know, stable hands. People who've been around that have said, you know, here's where this didn't work. Here's how we can improve this. It needs to be a blending. And, you know, what works well in Batavia, New York, versus Buffalo, versus Brooklyn, will depend. It will depend on the constituency. And, and, you know, as you know, particularly in the city, we've had a large amount of turnover of members uh, in New York City because of the constant changes in the immigration patterns within the city as, as the community continues to experience diversity. And that also happens in upstate New York as well. But um, if if that that's going to be a law for statewide candid, uh, elected officials or candidates, then when it comes to like again, I'll say the state legislature, you know, incumbents are able to raise a lot of money, whereas challengers are not. So, no, that's not actually accurate. I mean, to be honest with you, Cynthia. A lot of inc- a lot of challengers are actually fed by outside interests of New York State um, to run against incumbents. Um, so I don't know if that's really an accurate statement. I mean, I you know I've run several elections, and, and opponents of mine have had actually more support from outside the assembly district. So if you want to get into that discussion, we can. But the reality is, yes, there is there is the perception of the power of incumbency, but that should not overshadow the power of the public. If you're not doing a good job. It doesn't matter how much money you have. If you're a slug and you're not working, you're not responding to constituents, and you're not doing your job, then, you know, the, the, the public is going to see that. And let's, let's make sure we give the public credit. They recognize elected officials who work and work hard, um, and we just shouldn't be papering it over because they made a lot of money. You know, AOC is a good example. She worked hard to get to her position, and she upset Joe Crowley, who did not take it seriously and did not work hard. And that's probably one of the more bigger examples on our office. Okay, but uh, Joe Crowley lived outside his district, and um, he he was kind of a, a no-show guy where he really didn't pay attention to his constituency. So you just proved, what you do just you proved th- my point. You just proved my point. I, I you're absolutely right. You just proved my point. Joe Crowley also had a huge amount of political money and power of incumbency and was able to raise money, but because he didn't show up, didn't do his job, and, you know, officially he lived in his district, but you're right. He did not live in his district as much as he should be, and the public got upset and they voted him out. How did it work? Hey, you, you just validated my argument. Okay, so... Um... I, I think it's very interesting because you could do many hours on just um, on oh, yeah. term li- limits. I think you know. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. My question to you is: if if term limits are enacted on the state level, what do you think about uh, uh, in localities? For example, um, Erastus Corning served over 40 years. 
Uh, Waylon was there a while. So was um, so was Jennings, and now Kathy Kathy Sheen's in her third term. So, what do you say to enacting term limits on local officials? Well, you know, it's much easier to actually do that at the local level because the 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 local legislative body can move ahead with. Um, a ordinance to or a charter change to change that, and by the way, the general public too. But that should be done on an individualized basis. You know, I I, I was mayor of Cohoes as you know, for 13 years. By all accounts, by many people, I did a damn good job. And quite frankly, if I had to leave after eight years, that would have been a disservice to the city of We did good work. We got stuff done. And you know, once again, do we ask? CEOs of corporations to leave because the company's doing well, the stock's doing well, and we just ask them to leave? Do you ask my mother who, you know, or myself who ran a pharmacy all together 90 years to leave just because we've been there for eight years? You know, I think everybody has to look at each local government and the people within those local governments, not the people outside, but the people inside need to take a hard look at that and, and, and figure out what is um, what is best for their communities to move. And, you know, you're right to point out, you know, the history of the mayors in the city of Albany, but you can't look at it as a personality contest or a, um, <clears throat> you know, a popularity contest. You have to look at the structure of the government, what makes sense. Our founding fathers felt in the, when it comes to the U.S., United States government, at some point, they made it after FDR was president for 16 years that it's time to make a change. Um, some states have made that decision, but not everybody. So it, it, it's one of those things where plenty of local governments let them make their local decisions with their voters. So you think that, that uh, getting back to uh, Kathy Hochul's State of the State speech, do you think it will be well received, um, more well received than if Cuomo made it? I think it will be well received for a couple of different reasons. Uh, Kathy Hochul's approach is, is a different approach than the former governor. Um, she has very good relationships with the legislators. She's, you know, I can't tell you how many times Pat Fahey and myself have been with Kathy Sheen and Kathy Hochul here in the Capitol region. It numbers into the hundreds of times. She's always very accessible. She still is very accessible. So she has strong relationships, not just with local members like ourselves, but with many members. And that's evidenced by the amount of elected officials who come out to support her. At the same token, the state is in a very solid financial position, not one where we should be spending money carelessly, but where we can actually do transformative, transformative um, changes. And I think that's something that we, you know, I'm anxious to see if the governor is going to lay out some of those priorities, but she's in a much better position starting off about a multiple year budget surpluses than what I've been exposed to for the last 22 years in government, which is multiple year public deficits. Okay. So um, do you think this is going to be a pretty smooth Session without a lot of <laughs> rancor. You're laughing. 
I, I laugh because I don't know if there's such a thing as a smooth legislative session. You know, we, we can I, – I think there will be a much better relationship between the executive and the legislature. But as you know, the legislature itself, as much as I love my colleagues, and there's 147 of them right now because we have three vacancies, um, we can pick fights amongst ourselves at times. And, and that's not just Democrats and Republicans. It's Democrats and Democrats and probably Republicans and Republicans. So nothing's ever smooth because at the end of the day, everybody who comes to Albany comes to fight for the priorities of those they represent. And interestingly enough, because of the diversity of the state of New York, those priorities are not always aligned. And therefore, it gets sticky and it gets challenging at times. But that's nothing wrong with that. It's called vigorous debate, and it's something that I actually enjoy. I enjoy that because I learn a lot. And I'm also able to share a lot about what's important here in the capital region versus what is important in other parts of the state. We're going into our third year of COVID. Do you think that issue will be talked about a lot in the state of the state tomorrow? I think it'll be brought up, obviously, about the fact that we are still working through it. I hope we don't dwell too much on it because I think people are – are you having COVID fatigue? I, I think you would you would not disagree with me on that. Um, I think people are anxious to move on, but at the same token, um, you know, COVID's not letting us letting us do that on our own, right? We have to work through it. Mm. So, Kathy Hochul's first state of the state tomorrow, unfortunately, and it. The State of the State Day was always my favorite day of the year where oh I get God. dressed you, up. Yeah, you, you, go you, you Yep, absolutely. And everywhere I went, you'd show up at every single reception, Cynthia. And mm-hmm. it, you know what? It, 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 it's fun. It's, it's an experience. And it's great because there's a lot of people seeing each other for the first time in a while. And that's always good, no matter what organization you're part of. But also... Um, it's an opportunity for individuals to get their, their jump start on advocacy. And I think it's going to be dampened a little bit this year because of the fact that the, the, the address will be given in the assembly chamber, unlike what it's been for the last several years. However, it will be given virtually and there'll be limited, limited seating in the chamber. Um, altogether, the chamber under these COVID protocols could only hold about 50 members. Uh, my understanding is the leadership in our House and the leadership in the Senate, along with maybe some of the other statewide elected officials, will be present in the chamber for the governor to deliver the address. But the address will be delivered in the assembly chamber to the legislature, because it's called the message to the legislature, but also will be delivered to the media and to the public large. So to be honest with you, I would love yes. to be in there at the moment for that. Uh, particularly because I know Kathy personally. I know what a great job she's going to be doing. However, to be honest with you, there's nothing better than being in your office, taking down notes, and really paying close attention. So kind of a catch-22, mm-hmm. you know, therefore, are you there to be seen or are you there to do the work? I'm here to do the work. Now, the first year you were elected, and, and for your first State of the State message, was it um, – was it – held in the assembly chamber at that time or was Cuomo Ah, governor and he moved it? He moved it. Yeah, no, it was held down um, at the convention center. 
I have been in the chamber back when I was mayor. Ron Canastrieri would invite me down regularly okay. to witness the witness the state of the state. Um, to be honest with you, it was very crowded. Uh, yep. That was during the George Pataki era, so I sat on the Democratic side. Some of the members were a little bit less than courteous at the time. They're gone, of course. So, you know, it's it's been um, – it, it'll, be, it'll be great to have it back in the chamber where it belongs, to be absolutely honest with you. I remember years and years ago I had gone to one of the state of the state, and, of course, I didn't have any press credentials at that time. I was just uh, – I was still employed at that point, and even outside the chamber – it was packed, person oh. to person, person, oh. and, and and it seems like those were the good old days. I mean, there was press outside, you know, wanting to get in and everything, but hopefully COVID will be over soon, um, and we could get back to some kind of normalcy, and maybe next year there'll be an opportunity, you know, for people to go and, and hear it. Even if it's when it's in one of the uh, rooms there, I, I think that it, it, it's just so nice to go there and get, get feel the feeling of being there is really for a little political junkie like myself. It's phenomenal. And, Unfortunately, COVID this year again has brought it. Um, so, you know, do you think pretty soon we'll get back to normal? I do. I do. And to, and to your comments earlier, yeah, you're right. The, uh, the, the celebration, the ambiance, as it's called, is great. But the truth of the matter is it's a speech that the governor is laying out of what her priorities are. What's more meaningful, Cynthia, from my perspective as a legislator, is what we incorporate into the budget and into public policy that's going to impact people's daily lives at the end of the day. So, you know what? I'll be fine. I'll, 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 I'll receive the message in my office here in Albany, but mm-hmm. I'm more, more, more interested in getting through this next legislative session, which, as we talked about earlier, is going to be the same as normal just at the end a little bit earlier this year. Okay. Now I do have a question. I couldn't I couldn't not ask a question. Uh there was so many things in the paper today where I saw Cuomo was absolved and, you know, the har- harassment and also for the nursing homes. From your perspective, I know you came out against Cuomo you think that at this point, with all of this stuff that's being printed in the newspaper, do you think that was too rash? Well, first of all, let's be very clear. The governor has not been absolved of anything. He, the story is he's not been charged with anything. So, Correct. You know, that, that, that's in the court of criminal court. There are still going to be civil proceedings that are going to follow, and that is not you know, that's a whole different discussion. You know, the one thing we know, Cynthia, is that neither you and I were there at any of those occurrences. So we truly don't know what happened. We really just don't right. know. However, right. you know, if, if you read the reports, like I read the reports, 
it's very clear there was inappropriate behavior going on on a regular basis. And we just can't have the strange coincidence of 11 women coming up with these claims and things not adding up. Do they rise to the nature of a criminal complaint? It appears at this stage of the game it has not. However, there is civil matters that will still follow. And, you know, I guess it gets back to also the court of public opinion. Um, There are, you know, let's face it, um, the governor was hard charging. He was um, at times very charming to people, but he was also very Mm -hmm. difficult. And that's the nature of the beast. This is, you know, this is the state of New York. It's not the state of Rhode Island. It's, you know, we we are a big state with a lot of interests and a lot of resources. Um, But unfortunately, you know, what the governor's downfall really was led to was the fact that he didn't have relationships with people, not the appropriate relationships with elected officials. His been and, and, and his bucket of support was pretty much dried up because of the bad relationships that he had over the years. And that's unfortunate because, as I always said, um, I may have agreed with about 85% of the governor's, the former governor's agenda, but I did disagree 100% with him on the way people were treated. So, um we're almost out of time, but I've got to ask this one important question. Uh, what about redistricting? How different will the maps look this year? You know, it's very interesting. If you look at the maps, I know my district changes significantly. It moves further north. I don't know what the final version is going to be at this stage of the game. We just received the maps. I'm starting to look at them a little bit more closely. Um <clears throat> I, I think the, the bigger argument is making sure that we can keep Paul Tonko representing the, the Tri-Cities area. Um, that's been my concern. And they had him moving out to Binghamton at one point. So we have to take a look at well, those and see what, see what they can lead to. When you say that your district uh, is drawn to be farther north, will you be more uh, in Saratoga County? No, beyond Waterford? It, it, it widens a little bit. I'm in Waterford already. I'm in Saratoga and Waterford already. It just widens significantly further north. Um, and once again, these aren't, this is the independent commission that came up with these recommendations, not me. Um, you know, right. my, goal is, my goal is to keep the river communities together. And those river communities have always traditionally been Troy, Cohoes, Waterville, Green Island, Rensselaer, and we added Albany in the last redistricting. You know, I think it's important that we not forget that these are communities of common interest. Albany does tend to stand out a little bit different than the rest because of its largeness and its complexity and its home to state government. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I think our first step is to see if these maps agree. You know, one of the versions of the map has me running in Colony and Gilderwin, which <coughs> does, not wow. does not make sense at all. And um, I I, have, you know, I don't really have an interest in being in Colony or Gilderland. I really don't. I love the communities, don't get me wrong, but they're not common. The host, Waterbury, Green Island, Rensselaer, there's commonality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're just about out of time. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, I I will be talking to you again this session about what's going on. So if people want to get in contact with you, John, how could they do so? 
Well, there's always my email. I check my emails individual personally, and that's McDonald J at nyassembly.gov. Our office number is 518-455-4474. And when you call my office, you also get my cell phone, which is 518-365-2569. John, thank you. Uh, I appreciate you coming on Focus on Albany to talk to the uh, pre-State of the State message. Um, I'm Cynthia Pooley. You've been listening to Assemblyman John McDonald. If you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. John, have a wonderful session, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. Thank you, Cynthia.